0: Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts Carly Kistler Miller and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler Miller and David Wynn have joined me today and we are going to we're going to discuss getting to know our podcasting team. Welcome Carly and well, David.
1: Oh, thank you, Miles.
2: Thank you, Miles. It's good to be here.
1: So I was thinking this was going to be a good idea because we really wanted to introduce you, our listeners, to our newest podcaster, um, David Wynn. You might know him as a, a current PMPA member, which he was up until February 20th, and has since come over onto the staff as the technical services manager and it kind of occurred to us that we wanted to introduce him to everybody, but you might not know all that much about me and and there's always stuff to learn about miles, so this is going to be us getting getting to you guys so you guys can get to know us
0: I think it's exciting.
2: welcome David. Well, it's good to see you guys today
1: so all right, David, give us a little background getting give us a little getting to know you stuff
2: well um. I started in the shop uh, when I was a senior in high school, working some weekends and doing some things, and uh, grew up in the shop from the time I graduated high school, um, worked there the entire time I went to college, worked on Brown and Sharps, and uh, we had one multi-spindle screw machine. Did that for about eight years, and when I graduated from the master's program, I moved on and started running the company. And um, kind of slowly started turning things over to me at first. And then after a couple of years, my dad started stepping out and then I started taking over.
1: So when you say master's program, it's not our mastery program. You got your MBA.
2: That's correct.
1: And what was your undergrad in?
2: Finance, economics with a minor in accounting.
1: Whoa, numbers guy. I hate finance, economics <laughs> and numbers guys. <laughs> You are an economics guy. What are you talking about?
0: I always argued with the accountants. I got my MBA so I could fight fair with those people because they were always stealing. I felt they were stealing incentive from my my performers.
1: Okay, I can can buy that.
2: I have a slightly different philosophy as an accountant. I've uh, looked at things for the greatest value. I'm a believer in maximization of stakeholder wealth.
0: So uh, it's interesting you say value. I remember the take home from my MBA and it was accounting is about costs, Mr. Free, not about value.
2: Oh, really? Well, I guess that's when you add the finance to it, right?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's, I, I'm all on board with your stakeholder value.
1: That's great. Okay. So, and he
0: did say stakeholder value.
1: He, he didn't did say, say shareholder. shareholder. No, he, he said, said stakeholder. stakeholder. And that's that could be profit, nonprofit. Love it. Welcome to the team. Love it. Now, when you're talking about working on machines, that's your family business, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. My uh, grandfather, my grandmother, and my dad started it in around 1976. They uh, come down from Chicago with a old rickety trailer and a number two screw machine, and put it in a barn in Tennessee, and that's how we started.
1: I love it. Talk about an origin origin story. That that's yeah.
2: a great origin story too. So,
0: how long till they got an odd or a double lot?
2: Oh man, let's see. They, in the first year, I think they wound up with four machines, and they had a um, they had a double lot. I think they had a couple um, OGS, and the first number two was actually a Turner drive. Which is uh, Brown and Sharp with an overhead belt, where the motor was on top, and it had some levers to change the speeds. It was actually better than some of the more modern ones because uh, you could change the speed so easy. There's no changing gears.
0: Well, that would that would save my the ends of my fingers. I've got a couple permanent scars from one one five day Brown and Sharp setup class trying to pull the duck on gears. And I managed to get a couple. It's of those scars. long
1: fingers of yours, I think yeah, that's the problem that's- too. Probably, Probably. So, okay, so you were hands-on working with the machines. What made you go to school for the the finance part?
2: Well, um, it's kind of an odd story, but uh, initially I did not want to go to college. Uh, I wanted to stay in the shop and keep doing those sorts of things. And my dad was like, no, you need to go to college. You need an insurance policy. If this place fails, you need something else to back out on. And uh, so I decided to go ahead and go. And I started out as a dual biology and chemistry major, of all things. Oh,
1: chemistry, fellow chemistry.
2: And uh, I went down that path for two years and it was OK, but I just wasn't loving it. And I spent most of my spare time reading financial books and doing financial analysis and trading stocks and things like that. And went and talked to some people in the business building and they co-opted me. And there I was.
1: Ta-da.
0: Awesome! What a what a great approach. So, it didn't take you the full length of time to complete that bachelor's degree, did it?
2: No, it did not. Um, they had a system, and I figured out how to game the system, and I did my undergrad in three and a half years.
0: Excuse me, David, while I uh, help our listeners. Listeners, this man is boasting about gaming the system. Be glad he's on your side. <laughs> You can continue, Dave.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I figured out um, how to take the classes that you had to take to get your degree and not all the other classes your advisors would send you on. So uh, we figured out how to do that in three and a half years. I trained some other students how to do it. We actually had a coalition of students that were graduating in three and a half years from undergrad. And uh, I figured out how to do the master's program in a year and a month. Wow. I wish
1: I knew you back in school.
0: Efficiency and effectiveness. (laughs) David, you've got to write that article.
1: So glad you're on our team. So glad you're on our team. All right. So we've got the the chemistry bond here. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Yeah, puns intended. Miles, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background?
0: Well, I, like David, I put myself through the uh, university shoveling iron ore spillage in the sintering plant in Youngstown, Ohio. Got my degree and couldn't find professional work because I was making steel worker wages, and I couldn't get down to, you know, half wages, which is what they were starting salary chemists for. So I stayed in the steel industry and kind of like the, uh, the virus, I was in, in the bloodstream, and eventually they recognized my degree, went into environmental testing. We created a thing called stage charging, which let us keep the coke plants operating at Lorraine for another five years by reducing visible emissions. And as a result of that successful project, I was given an opportunity to have a management position. And I was a little bit smarter than the other guys on our team. They said they wanted to be Coke plant foreman. And I said, I'd really like to work in the Met lab. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a pipe mill lab foreman, and we pulled all mechanical tests and we did, I handled the metallurgical lab where we did metallographic analysis, did the Jomini tests and punch time cards up at the BOP lab where we were doing turndown analysis. So x-ray, x-ray, uh, leco combustion optical emission spectrometers and full size, full size stencil tests.
1: And a partridge in a pear tree. There, there you go. <laughs> so if we're, we're going along the, the thread, my undergrad, I actually started in business because my family has always owned a business. So, you know, you you go into the business classes and started my junior year. My advisor said, you can't sit still. You have way too much energy. How are you sitting in those economics classes? I'm like, I'm not. So I switched to communications and graduated with a communications degree. And then I got my MBA later in life, which is where I missed, I met Professor Free here. So short story is I always wanted my MBA, happened to be down at at Walsh University because my daughter was giving a presentation that ended up being five minutes long, but I had to sit in the hall for another 45 minutes. Realized there was an MBA program there, enrolled, and my quality class was taught by Mr. Free, and so a uh, a friendship was made. Next thing you know, well, I guess it was what year and a half later. Year and a half later. Year and a half later, you called me and said you had a job at PMPA. Best decision I ever made.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what is uh, true justice for a professor is hiring their a student. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how good you did because it's like that's just she's doing just what
1: you told her to. I know I even talk like him now. I say "higher and best use." I ask why, the five whys. Performers not like employees. Few, performers not employees. Let's see the the 5 W's and 2 H's. He he got me singing his song already. So I walked in the door, we were already already connecting, but I actually, the only machining experience I had was probably throwing my car into neutral and rolling it out the driveway when I was sneaking out of the house when I was in high school. But uh, past that, I've, I've always been in um, communications and meeting planning and event planning and marketing and uh, business and such. So that's what I got to, to bring to PMPA. And I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. So, David, let's swing back to you. You decided to, you, you were working in the shop up until, well, you're still, you're still kind of working in the shop, and you'll be full-time with PMPA in July. What, what made you decide to, to join us here on the team?
2: Well, it's, uh, it's kind of an odd story, but um, I back around last July, I read a book called The E-Myth, and kind of realized I was the lid on my organization and, and having me there is the easy button. I was holding things back. And so I had already started transitioning out and doing things to bring more people in and take the people that I already had and lift them up and into positions of leadership. And, and they already had the uh, responsibility, but give them the authority to make the decisions as well. And fast forward to December, you send me a text message and say, you have a crazy idea. <laughs> I call you back and say, hey, I love crazy. So (laughs) probably on board.
1: He did. He said, I love crazy. I'm in. I'm like, "Ooh, you might want to hear this first. But he he heard me out. And I'm so grateful you did because you are an incredible addition to our team. We're so glad. And you got to join us at uh, Management Update as a team member as well. So you got to see the other side of Management Update. What would you think?
2: Uh, it was a lot of fun on the other side. It was a lot more tiring <laughs> than just being an attendee.
1: Yeah, running it does require a lot more energy. That's for sure.
0: I'm really excited, David, to have you on our team because as a member, you as a new team member, you bring your memories of what it's like to be a member and member needs. So it's not like picture if you will you understand what it's like to have needs then to have a request and and to appreciate the uh the, the, the service promptly so i i think that's i mean it's not like a perfect apprenticeship right
1: it really is
0: you know i like the membership so much i want to help others
1: that's right that's great yeah. that's great
2: and I know what it's like to be sitting there on the other side waiting for an answer, and you've got your machine down, and it's costing you time and money, and you've got a guy waiting to run it, and you need an answer, and you put it out on the list or
0: Yeah, Lord Lord, help you if you're waiting for the, the material supplier to say, well, we'll get back to you in a week after the samples get dropped off, and then we'll, yeah. we'll get them in our lab, and then we'll send you a report that exonerates the material, and, and what do you have for all that waiting?
2: Absolutely nothing, but dead time. Lost
1: (laughs) revenue. Well, David, the other thing you and I have in common is growing up in a family business. So my mother owned an art supply company, which turned into a picture framing company, which then morphed into a publishing company. Um, Of course, as a kid in the, uh, the other two, well, the art supply company, that was just my toy box. And then the gallery, we always had invitations and events. So I didn't realize it, but I was learning event planning. And then when I came on at at the publishing company, I loved, loved working with my mom, totally loved it. But it is a different dynamic when you're working with families. And we were actually talking about this at at Management Update with some others. And I think that's something we're going to tackle here at at PMPA to try and give, especially we're going to have these new listserv communities out there and create a community for the, the children of the bosses. So there's that, there, you, sometimes you can't separate that family and that business. Sometimes that, you know, that person knows the buttons to push and so do you. Right.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the different dynamic in a family business. And you know, you're at each other's throats and then you got to go home and have dinner.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not bring that discussion to the dinner table
2: you got to compartmentalize your life. That's the key. Yep.
1: Different hats. That's right. Well, how many hats do you have on your head right now, David? Because I know outside of PMPA and the machine shop, you've got a few other things going on, don't you?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm involved in a lot of things. But uh, I've got a nursery, and it's just kind—it's of, more of a hobby than anything. But we grow annual flowers for the spring and vegetable plants for people, and we sell those. Um, got a little roadside stand, and we also do. Um, it's kind of like—it's the same as production machining. It's production nursery. We do uh, wholesale work for local nurseries, and uh, I also do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and teach classes on the side in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been doing that for about twenty years.
0: So better put your coins in that cup there at the roadside stand, or you're going to get taken down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it would be helpful, David, if you uh, explain to our our audience uh, how it is you came to be in the nursery business, because they've got to be thinking, okay, MBA, working in a, a manufacturing company, nobody just says, oh, I think I want to be in the nursery business. So why don't you explain the genesis of that little endeavor and 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 how you have it, as you said, as a, set up as a production nursery?
2: Well, um, it's a hobby. I've grown plants for years and do a lot of, I'd start most of my own vegetables from seed and do different things like that. And then 2020 rolled around and the world's shutting down. And initially the shop slowed down and I'm like, well, I'm bored. I need something to do. So I bought a greenhouse <laughs> set up a nursery and kind of got into that and it it was fun. And, And of course, the first thing I do when I look at a nursery, I'm like, man, it's really boring having to go out here and hand water and do all this other stuff. So I started automating that process and setting up irrigation timers and fertigation systems and those sorts of things and getting it automated so I could move on to the next fun thing. And then of course, 2020 came and then the whole world blew open and manufacturing went through the roof and I'm running a nursery. So,
1: See, you got bored and built a greenhouse and a nursery. I got bored and started new books and figured out what to binge watch on TV. I think our level of ambitions. Well, I, I don't think that's fair, Carly, because
0: mm-hmm. we have a totally rebuilt website. Oh, that courtesy of your work at home. Well, that's work. And well, <laughs> that was that was
1: ambitious.
2: It was a passion project by you.
1: It was. It was. I really did want to build that website. So thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. I appreciate that. But then you also, should we tell them that you like to blow stuff up?
2: I do like to blow stuff up. Um, I have an ATF uh, fireworks license and I'm inv- actively involved in doing shows and pyrotechnic shows and I'm working on getting more classifications and more shows. As a matter of fact, in about three weeks, I'm going to weekend training session for the company that I shoot for and we're gonna, I'm going to try to get some more certifications under my belt so I can do some other uh, close quarter shows and flame and stuff like that. So
0: when you see sparks coming off of that tool when you're <laughs> trying to machine... Tungsten carbide instead of grind it. David could tell you if the color temperature of the spark is correct for the uh, speed
1: involved. Only you would think of that, Miles. <laughs> I love it. That's what I am. I know. That's how you look at things. That's great. That's great. It's great. Well, and Miles, so you have a green thumb as well. I mean, I have a poinsettia in my office that's been alive for a year and. Three months, yes, yes, and it's still thriving. Well,
0: we got it right. We got it through the whole year, and it came back, and it did rebloom with the red teapals, and uh,
1: it did. And you've got a fern that's taking over your office.
0: Well, I, yeah, Joe actually helped me <laughs> get it out. on On we had one warm day, and I took it out, and we literally used machetes to cut the fronds off. Uh, it was just, it had overgrown. So, yeah. It's, it's still
1: humongous.
0: Well, you can't see the drafting table on which it sits. It's on
1: a drafting table? That's
0: a drafting
2: table.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're right. I had no idea.
2: Yeah. I just it, thought it was the fern table.
1: I was right. It yeah. was holding up
2: the fern.
0: There's three Royal Marines in ghillie suits somewhere on that pot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So gentlemen, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners while they're getting to know us?
0: Well, I'd just like to say welcome to David and and to our listeners. David brings experience in the shop on the kinds of jobs and operations that you're used to, and it's going to be the perfect complement to the mill and materials knowledge you're used to getting uh, advice from, from PMPA staff on. Uh, We've put together a a nice training sequence. I can't promise I'm going to learn anything about threading, but I can assure you, Mr. Wynn is going to get the uh, opportunity to actually see the mills and the sources as we go over some of those metallurgical and and obviously he's amenable to the chemistry lessons as well.
1: That's right. He's already got the, the prep for that.
0: I'm going to hide my Henley's formulary too. There's some good pyrotechnics in that, David, maybe we'll <laughs> dig up that
1: book when I come down your way. Well, I got to tell you listeners. So, and you two don't know this, but I took a picture of it because it was just priceless. We go to drive to Louisville and I'm sorry, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. They say, right. Yeah. Louisville. Okay. It's pretty close. And okay. And, uh, and Miles has this big box of books that he brings in the car and we're in the lobby of the hotel. We haven't even really checked in. We haven't gone to our rooms and David sits down and the two of them are just pouring over these books. And the next day I asked David, I'm like, did you sleep? Okay. He says, I was reading books. <laughs> he already started reading them. And it was the blue cold finished steel bar manual. Because yeah. <laughs> The
0: next question I got was tell me about the open hearth process. And it was like,
1: that's only in that book. Two peas in a pod. Only in
2: that book and maybe in my backyard soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I want to ask one more question before we wrap up here. Miles, I've been sitting next to you and, you know, our offices are right next door to each other. So sometimes I hear stuff you're working on and, and I know you'll tell people to to send you the print or they're going to say that they're going to send you a print. So,
0: or they have a project or they
1: have a project along those lines. So you have miles, you have friends in the industry and David, your family has a business. So how do you, how do you keep all that confidential? How does that work?
0: Well, that's a, that's a great question, Carly. And I I guess the pragmatic first, well, actually the first answer is I have character. I'm well, a person of character and, and we all are, but you know, you're right. You have friends too. So this, the second point is pretty pragmatic. The basis of my personal economy is serving all the members of PMPA. I can't just serve my favorites and then we create factions and lines that divide. And he's a favorite and then it's, he. they're not favorite. No, everybody in PMPA is my favorite. I get great questions from everybody. And I'm not going to share. And by the way, if there is a concern, they're welcome to redact it. I don't need to know it. It's a Parker Hannafin print. I don't need to know that it came from Swagelock or somebody else. Just, you know, where the heck are we going to find 4718 18 material, right? I can I can help with that. There's There's, I mean, it's just you know, better together means being better together. And that means keeping confidence.
1: David, what about you?
2: Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's, uh, it's all about maximizing that stakeholder wealth and we're better together. And so, you know, y- you can't borrow from, uh, you know, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. And so it's very important, you know, integrity is important to me. And, uh, I want to maintain that. And I've always maintained that in the past. I've worked with companies already, even before I became um, a member of the PMPA. Back when I worked at my old job, I helped people do things. People would send me prints and I'd answer questions for them then. And transitioning out of a family business, you know, it's difficult. And uh, some of that getting my head wrapped around it, getting the nomenclature straight and trying to remember that, I'm not in the shop anymore. I've moved. I've transitioned to PMPA. And, and that'll be difficult for a while, but um, I'm moving into it. I'm, I'm totally into this and uh, I'm ready to help people do better. It's maximize the stakeholder wealth of the entire PMPA because our organization grows. Everybody grows with it.
0: Says the Farmer Eagle Scout.
2: That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wraps up today's podcast on getting to know your PMPA podcast team. Thank you for joining us.
2: For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources for precision machining.
1: Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss one. Plus, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast, where we talk to PMPA technical members and learn about how they can help our shops. And if
0: you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and David? Because because we we are are better better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision.